Hello and welcome to the Tabletop Gaming Magazine podcast. I'm Chris Eckert, the editor of the magazine, and today we're here to talk all about Dark Souls. Or rather, Dark Souls the RPG. Uh, and I'm joined today by Richard August, the uh, writer of the very fine, we hope, uh, game <laughs> coming from Steamforge. Um, so how are you doing, Rich? I'm, I'm really well, thanks, Chris. And it's, it's definitely a very fine game. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, so, uh, well, let's start with um, who you are. Well, I'm a, I'm a full-time uh, RPG designer and uh, writer from uh, Manchester. I, I started as a, a freelancer about sort of six or seven years ago, and I've, I've worked on a, an awful lot of games since then, most of them good, I hope. And that's, that's me, basically. I, I, a few years ago, I was kind of in a lucky position where I lived just around the corner from Steamforged, just as they were getting into RPGs and was kind of in a... A lucky place to be offered a, a job and since then you know we've gone from strength to strength in the in the rpg market i think yes yeah, so it was your first steam forged rpg animal adventures yeah sort of at the same time as as we started doing the epic encounters line um yeah. so we did uh gullet gullet co the, the secrets of gullet cove which was mm. a animal adventures source book and then uh very very close uh the first pair of epic encounters sets came mm-hmm. out which is shrine of the kobold queen and lair of the red dragon i think or caverns of the red dragon i can't remember now yeah. i've written a lot of them i really i really like the um the animal adventure starter set um yeah for because yeah. you, you don't mention a dungeon or a dragon in it but it does teach you how to play that game um you know i think there is a dungeon was, that, in the scenario but, uh. <laughs> that's what we were going for yeah that was a that was a tough thing to design yeah, yeah, it's really interesting because it's um, it tricks you from the outset to in, it, into thinking it's a miniatures game almost um, with its sort of presentation. It's in a box, you know, things like that. Um, the, the tiles and the maps and things like that. So, uh, so yeah. Um, so, but we're not here to talk about that, are we at all? No, we're going to talk in about many ways the opposite. in many ways the opposite. Yes, <laughs> right. Um, rather than um, cute animals going off to um, save other animals, uh, mostly we're going to talk instead about the strange and dark world of dark souls so let's talk let's talk about the rpg what i mean what is it pitch, pitch, pitch it to me in the sort of top line sense okay it's a tabletop role-playing game for you know two or more players where you get to experience and build your own dark souls role-playing world uh you know the book is it, it uses the 5e chassis but we've really i think we've hacked it quite a lot in order to more accurately evoke the Dark Souls experience, and it's uh, it's fun and deadly. Yeah, that's, and that's what we like. That's what we like. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so uh, before we before we go sort of a bit deeper into what the RPG is um, and the, the ways you're approaching some of the kind of like more finicky and interesting um, aspects of Dark Souls as as a computer game, at least, um, I would like to just test your your Dark Souls um, cred, if. I... <laughs> That's all right. So I want to, I, I asked this of nearly everyone, which is what order did you play the FromSoft games in? Three, then one, and really only a bit of two. I can't yeah. claim I've played a lot of two. Yeah. Have you tried Demon Souls? I have not, just because uh, I've not got a PS5 yet, and I yeah. figure yeah. I should wait until and play it in its proper medium rather yeah. than Sorry. debate sure. it. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I suppose that's I suppose that's right. Yeah, yeah. Was that or um, get a PS3? And yeah, exactly. Really go back to basics. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was great. Um, that's that's the that's the traditional 
modern route, I think, for most people, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, um, I think so. Tra- traveling that way through it which is um pr- probably the best for those that don't know at home um dark souls is maybe maybe the best video game ever ser- uh, video series ever um i would say uh it's got everything uh you want from a world of, that's you know kind of dying and uh and falling apart and you you know you you wander around stabbing things mostly uh which makes it interesting fodder for a role-playing game because obviously stabbing things is something we do quite a lot in in role-playing games i'd like to ask how did you approach things like the soul system the the the, there's like a central mechanic in dark souls of you know uh, attempt something die and then have another go at it but kind of the way you the way you've leveled up when playing the video game is that you've understood the game a little bit better how have you approached that here in the, the the tabletop rpg the main approach that basically obviously in dark souls you know there's that great kind of video where um you know you kind of this person thinks they're going to be great at dark souls they walk out they're immediately killed because they don't yeah. understand stamina and then they don't understand the parry and timing <laughs> things and while it would have been great to kind of build a dexterity element into an rpg i can't i can't see us really managing it so what we what we did is we looked at how could we make mastering your use of abilities an equivalent to the mastering of timing and you know and precision in in dark souls so what we what we've eventually essentially came up with is position that's what that's what this kind of quasi amalgamation amalgam of uh, health and stamina is attempting to achieve it gives you a resource which you generate you, you have a base stat, your base position, and then each time you get into an encounter, you randomly generate it. And mm. you roll, you know, it's kind of like hit dice, basically. Mm. Um, you roll them, gives you your pool for that fight. Mm. So the secret, the, the, the learning curve is based around when do you spend it, when do you hoard it, and what is you know what is a good spend and then that filters through the whole game so for instance every every set of armor every weapon even every shield has an associated ability which Mm. is linked to spending position so there's lots and lots of opportunities to spend your position you can you have to spend position to use some abilities or you can use it to you know augment or improve them same with spells when you're casting a spell you're going to have to spend position and some you know if you want to really really uh, jazz up a, that is that is definitely the wrong verb but i'll stick with it for now <laughs> jazz up your fireball or what have you you're going to have to spend position so it's about how much do i spend when do i spend it and what is the potential cost of that so in the same way that you have to learn you know an enemy's attack patterns the kind of damage they're going to do you're going to have to do that here but it's going to be about if I spend this, am I going to kill this monster in one hit or am I going to leave myself open to be completely eviscerated because I've spent so much trying to kill it in a single blow? That's interesting. I think um, I really like the bit there where you, you mentioned that the weapons have their own position, position-based power um, because I, th- I think that's a, a thing about, about the, the video game, which is like you, your equipment really defines you. And how you play the game, yeah, that's sort of like a sort of a key key aspect to it. I mean, that's, that's obviously true of most types of RPGs as well, but um, uh, but we don't think about it that way. That's the, the they're simply a descriptor that goes as 
com- becomes part of our character, whereas actually uh, thinking about your uh, a little bit more engaged with the, the, the source text. That is something that is, I think, very different from the, the 5e engine, where your choice of subclass kind of defines your character and the choice of um, features you take. Hmm. We've moved away from that. You kind of just have a straight progression in terms of the uh, abilities you gain as you level up. Hmm. Where your individual individuality comes from is your choice of gear. So that every, and I, I do mean every, I think every, or very nearly every weapon, suit of armor, shield in Dark Souls 3 is in that core book. Cool. And each of them has a skill or a feature. So that is where you can really go to town in terms of customization. Hmm. Um because that's something I thought was a, a, an interesting aspect of a video game RPG, which I hadn't seen in a tabletop RPG to that extent. And I now understand why, because writing all those rules is a hell of its own. But <laughs> I think it's worth it. Yeah. Uh, could you give us maybe a couple of examples, or, or are they just one-to-one kind of representations in some way? Uh, well, just bear with me one sec. I'll go and grab the core book. And okay, I'll, cool. I'll, you know, some of the some of them aren't particularly good, um, but you you. Well, that's you know, that's important, isn't it? That you some of them are good. That with, exactly. You know, you might have you might have you know. So, for instance, the Alva armor it gives you an AC of eighteen, mm-hmm. um, but you have disadvantage on wisdom saving throws because it ties to the law surrounding the Alva armor. Mm-hmm. But then you have you know. Oops, can you um, can you tell us what that law is? Uh, I will I will read to you. The Seeker of the Spurned wore this armour in the past. It has been trimmed to render it lighter, but it remains strong against the enemy's strikes. It is said this armour carries a dark secret. So okay, the go. wisdom checks is why would you carry an, why would you wear a suit of armour which carries such a dark secret? Well, you know, it's because it gives you AC 18. Um, <laughs> the Katarina the Katarina armour, this yeah. was my particular joke was that you have minus one to charisma <laughs> because oh, no. looks good in that <laughs> it's it's a very good suit of armor to be yeah. fair but that you know and that that works through all the shields you know you can spend two position when using the lothric night shield to render yourself immune to lightning damage for one round mm-hmm. for instance yeah that which makes is you know, sense. if you're fighting say the nameless king exactly storm drake is a is a brilliant position spend i mean that's that have you equipped it yeah that, i mean that's exactly my uh my setup for doing that boss fight uh <laughs> are we kind of removing classes here in a way no i see i think i think in in some ways we've got quite a traditional approach we mm-hmm. you know we have the the 10 classes from dark souls 3 mm-hmm. um so you've got your knight warrior mercenary assassin all the you know the magic mm-hmm. user classes um, we've even got the deprived in there, you know. You, yes, you I was going to ask about really, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're in there. Um, Alan Alan Barr, who is one of my game design heroes, and who did a development edit pass on on the book, um, said that's basically his favourite thing in it. He thinks it's the he thinks the deprived is hilarious. Um, but you know, like like with the deprived in the game, where you in the in the video game rather, where it gives you a certain freedom. Mm. Um, in terms of how you build, you get that here. You get to choose from different um, classes, different their abilities, which you don't necessarily get to do if you pick another one. You know where you're going to be much better at one thing, but not have the full spread. Yeah, I think um, for for those who don't know, the deprived is the um, the the class that starts with nothing. It's your your base stat um, 
zombie person in a loincloth with a maybe you get a club i think you get a club or something you like get that a club, yeah. um and uh and it's the one you pick when you've played dark souls too much because because you think you're gonna make a really specific build and then you make the same build you always make uh well what about bosses then let's do bosses because you mentioned the okay. name was king there how 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 are you approaching bosses well bosses bosses are nasty and one of the the as, as you'd expect and they get so they get the bloodied ability which means that when they hit sort of 50 percent um of their bait their starting position mm. they get new abilities um most of those are you know additional um actions and, and cool stuff they can do so a couple of them are negative you know if you've hit them enough you deserve something um but mostly they kind of get stronger and they get new ways of altering and alternating their mm. uh, attack patterns as you as you'd want um they also get to spend position in the way players do so mm. position can be spent to you know change a dice roll if you want you can spend it on a one-to-one -one basis to move your dice up most monsters don't get to do that only bosses do which means you know even dice luck is not going to save you necessarily if if you've played badly if you've mm. you know wasted your position on a few big attacks thinking you're going to wear it down quickly and you think oh well actually uh, you know they've rolled a one well i mean certainly you know yawn the giant could easily turn that one into a 20 if they really wanted um mm. so it's it's going to be fighting them is a matter of carefully hoarding your position and working as a team mm. and yeah they are they are vicious vicious things yeah um that's that's interesting and then so uh, and this i guess this links into another mechanic people would i guess want i'm gonna say they want to see in theory but maybe they don't want to see in practice which is um you know the fir the first time you run into you on the giant's room boss room you get flattened and you re respawn at the bonfire and you think what happened there? I think I'll go back and have another look. Another look. Um, how how are you dealing with that kind of like die and repeat aspect? So I've, I've tried to make it. I mean, death is is much more common in in this game than it is in in you know traditional five e. Um, there's no death saves. Once you hit zero, you're done. Um, mm -hmm. If you know half a party hits zero at the same time, you know half a party dies. You all respawn at the nearest bonfire. Um, Obviously, I think with any RPG, you have to trust the GM. Mm -hmm. So while um, death is a big part of this, I've, there are options for, for tweaking uh, ease of play up and down, depending on the kind of game you like to make. Um, there's a lot of advice in the GM chapter on, on building locations and building your adventures and you know creating quests mm. so that I think it's a relationship between the rules and the GM as to how you create the optimum lethality for your for your mm. table. You know, if you it, you know, it would be very easy um, if you were a particularly adversarial GM. You know, in the kind of the really old school Tomb of Horrors D and D one E approach to lay waste to your party. So there's a lot of direct GM advice in there saying, you know, you are not the enemy, trying to bring in some of the kind of more story um, game elements, which position the GM almost as a player advocate while still mm. challenging them. So it's, it's a difficult balance. Um, I, I won't pretend it's not. 
Um, but I, I hope we've we've managed to create um, something the GM can use to to challenge players without you know just riding roughshod over them and killing mm. them every time. Because so yeah, so how so you so on a mechanical level um, because that's all that's all very good, and I think that's that's kind of the right advice, especially when you have a mechanic where the because a lot of the time. And we have to be frank with everyone, which is a, a GM, if things are going really, really badly for the players, um, the GM will fudge it so that it doesn't go that badly because it's boring if the game ends right then. And <laughs> everyone has to go, oh. <laughs> um, so, But when there's a mechanical thing where the GM is actually maybe encouraged to make things worse for the players through spending position, yeah, that, that advice is all, all good for that. But on a mechanical level in terms of Dying, you die, you respawn at a bonfire. Is, is there a penalty for that? Because in, in there in is, Dark, yeah, in Dark Souls, you you have kind of like your XP. You can, you're kind of gaining XP as you go, and the risk is that you're going to die because you can die very easily. We do, yeah. That that is in the game. Your the souls you have earned and not banked or mm. or spent at a bonfire are lost when you die. Uh, there's also um, one of the one of the ways I approached parts of the game was to think about you know obviously there's we discussed earlier the kind of lack of technical precision in an rpg you know you don't have to practice your timing etc so what does death teach you um so death in in the tabletop rpg teaches you about your character mm. um it teaches you about what you're going to lose so in the beginning when you're when you're building your character um, there's a there's a few tables and options to to create a kind of fuller backstory than you might expect. You know, you get a, a memory. You know, your last memory before mm. you woke up as an unkindled. You get the drive, the thing that's pushing you onwards. You get fragments of your life before, and as you these these give you little mechanical benefits. If you're able to kind of say to the GM, "Well, I'm drawing on my backstory. I I'm suddenly seized by this memory of my past life." You gain a mechanical benefit of a specific kind for each each part of your past. When you die, um, you roll. You you have to succeed on a wisdom save, and if you fail, you roll on the hollowing table. You lose a part of yourself, and losing that is is kind of the way I wanted to focus the player on learning as you do in, in Dark Souls, but without, obviously, you know, you're not learning the attack patterns the same way because it's not a pre-generated, you know, uh, digital sprite you're fighting. It's a, it's a GM who kind of doesn't want you to die all the time. So it's about, you know, what, what does it mean to lose? You know, maybe you lose your voice or sometimes you'll, some of these have ne negative mechanical qualities. Some of them are purely kind of story focused. What does that mean? What does that mean for you? How does that change your relationship with your drive and your wanting your desire to go on? Um, and that's kind of the only true end state for the game is, you know, you could become a complete husk. And at that point, you are just a hollow and you're basically an NPC. Um, and if, you know, it does, even the, the more I say it, the more it sounds like the Call of Cthulhu uh, death spiral, sunny yeah. spiral, um, which is, <laughs> which, you know, which um, we like, so it's not yeah, a problem. I mean, so, you know, steal from the best, as they say. Um, it's There's definitely, there's a strong element of that in there. Mm. So, yeah, because I mean, that's um, one of the, 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 as you say, strong thematic things of Dark Souls is... Um, 
this sense of i mean the whole game is just about loss isn't it about loss corruption uh, like an entropy to, towards decay you know all this sort of stuff um and it's it's a, it's a model that and then to have hopefully a mechanical benefit to not doing that <laughs> to um remaining uh human um so in so in terms of um law and things like that are you because i because what I'm what I'm imagining in my head is um, playing playing Dark Souls three on on the tabletop, right? That's what I'm imagining. That obviously isn't what it's going to be because that would be really weird to have a load of people who've played Dark Souls three <laughs> and say, "Yeah, obviously I'm going to run past, but I know there's a guy around the corner, so I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to or I'm going to attempt to stab him through the wall because I reckon that <laughs> the, the program is not that good or whatever." You know? <laughs> yeah. That was what it was one of the harder chapters to to write in many ways, the law, because one, the law is is very oblique, deliberately so. You know, it's all, so much of the Dark Souls is is implied or inferred as you as you go through it rather than ever spelled out, which is wonderful. I think that's what part of what makes it such an evocative mm-hmm. game to play. When we were writing when I was writing the, the law sections, the world sections, I was very, very careful to not tell players what they should be doing in a location. Mm to give them the kind of the overarching view of it, give them some, you know, give them the NPCs they might encounter there, some random events tables, things like that, so that they can create their own version of iconic locations. You know, you can you can go to Anolondo and you can play through Anolondo as you want, but it's your Anolondo. It's not, you know, the precisely detailed version you find in Dark Souls 1 or Dark Souls 3. You build it as you need to. So it's... Yeah. I think, you know, with any kind of licensed RPG, a lot of it is about giving the players and the GM permission mm-hmm. to to play in there and to, to you know, distend things to make it work for them. Mm-hmm. So I tried to communicate that by keeping things quite light on the law terms mm-hmm. um, in keeping with Dark Souls mm-hmm. and to to let people proceed and pursue their own ideas about the setting. Yeah. So in terms of so yeah. So in terms of those settings, then what what we've got is we will have the main. I'm going to call them biomes. I know, I know that's wrong. They're kind of the main kind of like biomes. You know, there'll be a poison swamp of some sort. Um, it's it's such an interesting thing to think about because the the way that place is really important to people playing the video game, and in, in the sense of like because they know because the first time you play. Again, you're like, wow, this is an incredible, evocative place. Twentieth time you play through it, or something like that, you you are very much like, well, I know the exact route through here. I'm going to ignore that nonsense around the corner. Um, whereas the first time you you'd go and explore it, I guess really, um, are you, are you, I suppose you're trying to create that first feeling rather than the weird obsessive feeling that I described in the second example. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's I think one of the amazing things. Uh, Elliot Smith, who was the the graphic designer who did who designed the book and then laid it out, has managed is to create is to use is to use so much art and in such a striking way that I hope there is that kind of initial sense of wonder you get with the you know the astonishing architectural creations you know the drawing from you know places like Milan and mm. all that you know very very carefully conceived and built world. I think the book is evocative of all of that and hopefully will put 
players in that position of of you know of wanting to explore and find things again not less so the kind of um speed run idea not there's anything wrong with speed running no and you could also... da- i think you could you could build a speed run with the book um but definitely <laughs> the initial the initial feeling should be one of um the kind of dark entropic wonder of the place mm. yeah yeah because that's i mean that's the the, I mean the the deal with so we we are in Lothric mostly, aren't we? That's yes. our that's our kind of we're in we're in Dark Souls three as a kind of base. You know, we, we, you've not invented any law for it because I mean no. that would be <laughs> that would be heresy. Yeah, well, I don't know, would it? If it gets sanctioned, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, I I would not. I, I think I think there 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 are, there are IPs where you can put your your fingerprints on it and there are ips where you should you should keep your distance and and dark souls is one i think you you treat with uh with the greatest of respect and yeah. very careful it? not to so, suddenly releasing four source books and you've got like you've got katarina as a as a location isn't it you're like a whole yeah. a, a whole place and then you've got astoria and what's the place where all the wizards come from in the third one i can't remember um What's like, the, the place on the desert? It's an L name, isn't it? I can't remember, but um, uh, got all that, <laughs> all that stuff. Um, and I, I could imagine just—I I don't think it'd be possible to make it, in fact, for IP reasons. But um, uh, but you could imagine that being the thing that spurs, you know, maybe Dark Souls Four. You know, hey, maybe that's maybe that's how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> twist their arm. I mean, if I, I would, I would love to come up with my own area for Dark Souls. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I would also, I, I, yeah, I think writer's block would take hold. I think you get paralysed with, can I do that? Is that okay? Yeah. Is that yeah. um, is this is this a, a good approach? Um, it'd be a very difficult thing to make. But I would, I would immediately, you know, I would snap somebody's hand off to be yeah. given the chance well i think even coloring in the bits we know exist but are never visited even that would yeah. be almost impossible because they're a law and I, I guess this comes to my next question their law is that um is yeah. that they have they have so little description about them except maybe your experience with an npc um that that npc's goals and things like that um to which i'm going to ask then how do the npcs work and quest lines uh, is there going to be an NPC somewhere that you meet and then you come back later and they're dead uh, with no explanation from the GM and the GM tells you nothing? <laughs> is, that, is that how this game is going to work? Or... There is there is extensive rules for building darks, uh, uh, appropriate Dark Souls NPCs, yes. yeah, uh, Giving them names, giving them quests, giving them idiosyncratic little quirks of speech and habit. Um yeah, I, I had a, a lot of fun building that particular uh, that particular part. And, and so, in terms of um, so, you, like, uh, is there a GM's guide to making really obtuse quests that you have to look up on a wiki first, or <laughs> is, there, is there anything like that? <laughs> it's not quite as extensive as that, but yeah, they do. There are there are you know NPC quests. They will give you a quest. You meet yeah. an NPC that you've rolled up. Um, they will. Oh, they will definitely give you a MacGuffin to go after. Yeah, so let's let's um, let's imagine. Uh, well, actually, is there an adventure in the book set out for you already? There is not an adventure in okay. the book, um, and I'm not, I actually can't mention this. Um, there okay. may there may in future be 
a supplement in which certain things like that might appear, but that is, I cannot confirm that. So, cool. uh, okay. no. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, but good. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, cause I, cause I can imagine like, what kind of thing do you imagine people doing in this, in this world now that they're given access to it? That, you see, now that's a very interesting question. Is I my my immediate thought is that there's going to be two schools of, mm-hmm. of people. There's going, I think there's going to be people who recreate quite, with quite you know uh, exacting fidelity the experience of role play, uh, of role playing the original game, uh, the original Dark Souls three, and exploring and contextualizing things more deeply. Mm. You know, exploring. Uh, precisely what happened and why. And then I think there's going to be people who build their own Lothric-style worlds mm. with, uh, you know, that, that have fallen in the same way, that are corrupted in the same way. Um, whether they'll want to build in, uh, you know, a, a more precise explanation for what's happened there i don't know but i think those those in my head uh, when i was writing it and the gm chapter and everything those were the the two kind of schools of player and gm i had balanced mm-hmm. in my head the people who wanted to who were going to want to use this book to make their own lothric and mm-hmm. the people who were going to want to explore the existing lothric uh, but without the kind of you know without not being able to enter all the houses in the undead district yes <laughs> I mean, thankfully. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, my my adventure hooks that come to my mind are things like um, you you are aiding a group of onion knights who have decided to go on something like a crusade, you know, or you have um, you do a, uh, a save the children thing um, mm-hmm. with the Aldrich character, but you do you maybe you move the timelines back a bit so it's pre his. Sorry, this is spoilers for the game, I guess. Um, uh, pre his fleeing to Arlondo. Um, so you have like a pre pre slug version, maybe. I don't know. But um, I think that's that sounds awesome. Yeah, when he's yeah, really there or the on the way to it. Starting to to worship him, maybe, and you you know, the the cathedral isn't quite as yeah. fallen as it will become, and you can fight your way out and exactly. rescue as many people. I, that would be, yeah, that that yeah. would be awesome. You have to sneak your way in in one, in one of those cages that the big guys carry, you know. Yeah. Um, or that, well, I say sneak in, obviously you're in a big cage. It's not really sneaking, but um, but that sort, that sort of thing. I, that, that's the kind of thing I'm imagining you could do with it. Um, and that's that's quite appealing to me. I think that sounds, that sounds quite good. Because I, I think a lot of people are skeptical um, because of those things we talked about before, which which is a really set of specific memories about very vague things, <laughs> which is Dark Souls. Uh, so do you mind if I, I'm going to ask you a potentially um, hard question, I guess, which is um, why why 5th edition? Uh, and I, the only reason I say that is because there is there's a section of the RPG community who... Um, feel like they would have they would have liked a version which is based on the the Japanese Dark Souls RPG, for example, um, or they would have uh, liked a completely new system. You know. So well, okay. I mean, there's a there's a lot to unpack there. Okay, let's start. Mm. So I think I have looked at the Japanese Dark Souls RPG, and from what I could make out, it looks wonderful. But one. I have no idea what the right situation with that game would be. 
mm. getting hold of those rights, translating the I, I can't think of anything more nightmarish, frankly. Sure. Um, you know, licensing <laughs> licensing at the best of times is a is a minefield you are shoved into blindfold with a load of uh, rakes tied yes, to you. <laughs> it's a, it's a difficult thing. So I'm I, I as as lovely as that idea is, and I hope more. You know, the, like I say, the game looks awesome from the little bit I managed to piece together from Google Translate. Uh, I don't think that that just I don't think that would have worked. Mm-hmm. In terms of building a new system, it was something we considered. We went through a lot of back and forth. And I think, for me at least, Dark Souls is a game about exploring and killing things. <laughs> um, to, to boil it down to its core activities, you are exploring and then you are killing monsters. And there aren't many games, in my opinion, that do that much better than Dungeons & Dragons. So I mean, that's, Dungeons that is, and Dragons- that's kind of the criticism, isn't it? Really, like it, people like to spend some time moaning about D and um, I'm not really sure why it does what it does. You know, that's which is kind of the point here, isn't it? You know, the point that we're getting to. You know, that's I, I guess that's, and I you know I've I, I have been aware of some of the discourse around the game because it's difficult not to be, um, and you know I, I think some of it's entirely reasonable skepticism, and and so but I, I have found you know maybe some of the claims that. D&D is completely the wrong system for it, a little, mm. a little odd, given that, you know, the, the core activities, what D&D is good at is combat against monsters. You know, it's it certainly, I would not, I would not build, you know, an Animal Crossing game using the 5e engine or anything, <laughs> or, or anything more what story you, based. Sorry, what would you use? That would be a good uh, Call of Cthulhu would... engine. Type <laughs> I mean, thing. that would be pretty great, actually. Like lots of investigation. Uh, I mean, lots instead, of... <laughs> instead of the sanity meter, you would have a happiness meter that yes. went up. Yes, that's it. I would, yeah. That would be lovely. Okay. Um, right. I wait but... to interview you about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's not impossible. Who knows? It's not... <laughs> um, you know, so like I, I've seen there's lots of possible systems that would have worked for Dark Souls, and building one was something, you know, we we – we spent some time kind of thinking around and parts of that system did make it in here. Certain, you know, certain elements we kind of thought, well, this is cool, but actually we, our decision was based on the 5e engine is really good at doing very similar things to the core activities of dark souls. And then obviously, you know, it's not, it's not anybody's favorite topic, but there's a commercial element to be considered. And I don't think that's, you know, um i think that has to be understood you know there's there's dnd is is an order of magnitude bigger than any other game on the market and we want people to play dark souls and at the same time dark souls is an ip that's going to appeal to people who don't play rpgs normally mm-hmm. and the rpg everybody knows is dungeons and dragons you know i mean how i don't know if you have but a lot of the time if people say you know what do you do or what do you do for a hobby I'll say, well, I write role-playing games. Look at blank incomprehension. Less so mm. now since Critical Role, mm. but still. And you say, you know, like Dungeons and Dragons, and then people get it. Yeah, that's it. So there's there is an, an element of us wanting to get this game to as many people as possible and to invite new people into the hobby via mm-hmm. a an IP that is you know universally adored. I think that's reasonable. I just want to give you the opportunity to kind of answer those people because 
because there is there is noise about it noise i don't necessarily entirely understand because i don't think i think i i never i didn't think there'd be way it wouldn't be fifth edition i just couldn't i couldn't imagine it because for the reasons you say which is it's a game about hitting things there's few few games that do it better so yeah, I just wanted, wanted to give you that, that opportunity. I, uh, I appreciate it. I mean, I think I think you know everybody. When you get an, an IP which is so people are so passionate about, it's always understandable that people are are annoyed by certain choices, uh, mm-hmm. unhappy with certain choices, and and think you know they think there are different ways of doing it. And I completely get that. But I mean, Five E also triggers you know a, a great deal of. Of antipathy, I think partially, mm. partially because it's so big, and partially because you know, a lot. It's been used for a lot of things which it isn't particularly good for. Mm. But as you say, Dark Souls is a game <laughs> about hitting things, and I, I think in this case that is perhaps an unjust accusation. Yeah, I think I think you you might be right there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and also and also people should trust you anyway because you were involved in the uh, the recent June RPG, weren't you? I was, yeah, yeah. So I, I, and that's a diffuse over the years they're a great company to work for yeah so and and the um and adventures in the imperium is is um like quite an innovative approach to a really complex set of um things you need to manage you know because it is it's a very it's, it's stripping the system right down to its lightest yeah. point and then you you deal with um as our reviewer said uh you deal with um uh firing like uh, the equivalent of a Death Star laser, and also having a sword fight, and also having a really terse conversation in the same with the same kind of role, basically, um, plus or minus some uh, other mitigating uh, factors. Um, and yeah, so I think I think it's probably quite safe hands. Is there anything else we need to know about the game that we that I haven't asked you that you you think that um, people ought to know about? I mean, I. I... I really, I, I do want to emphasize just what a beautiful physical object it is. Because I've mm. got, I, we, we have a, a couple of preview copies that we kind of got printed off for ourselves. Uh, and it's not even, you know, it's not on a particularly high quality paper, which the, the final one is going to be. Elliot Smith, who, who's done the, the graphic designer there, mm. has done just, I can't think off the top of my head of any better looking RPGs out there. Um, and that's, you know, that's a, a, a big claim in, in the days of free league. Every book they make looks like, um, they do look, an, an they art, do look good, don't they? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and this is, but this I would say is, is up there. It's an absolutely stunning, um, uh, book. It, 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 it's almost art, you know, coffee table worthy. Um, so I, I yeah. yeah. And, and big shouts out to him cause he, um, he, <laughs> he put himself through hell mm. to make it, um, and it's just it's, it's worth absolutely worth the uh, time he took. It's beautiful. Excellent. Um, and so that's a question actually. Um, is there any is there new art for the book? Um, most of it is from um, uh, concepts and, and stuff like that. I mm-hmm. think there's some. I'm not sure if there's some pieces that haven't been seen before. I wouldn't like to say that. Um, but there's definitely it, it's drawn from a lot of different sources some of which people might not be familiar with, so that mm-hmm. there is likely to be pieces even the most ardent fan has not seen or only seen in kind of, you know, half-glimpsed mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> internet <laughs> internet backrooms. Yeah. Cool. Um, so I think that draws us to the, to the end of a Dark Souls chat. So I should really ask you, um, what's coming up next for you? Anything you want to plug? 
Um, do you want people to find you online? Do you want them not uh, to? So I am I am on I am on Twitter as uh, RPG August. Um, I only came back to Twitter for uh, the Dark Souls launch because I was told to by marketing. <laughs> shout out! Shout out to China, China Blue Scott, who uh, forced me to do that. Um, you you can find me on on Facebook, and uh, in terms of plugging, we've got uh, there's always new and awesome epic encounters coming. Um, the next set in particular is excellent for those who like uh, HP Lovecraft style stuff, um, and the Lich empress and the undead horde came out recently that's an awesome set mm -hmm. the dark souls pre-release not pre-release rather pre-order goes live very soon. and then obviously there's there's runescape coming up um which oh, is yes, being worked on right now is by you, an are you, are you working on runescape i yeah i'm I, basically if there's something rpg based at steamforged i am intimately involved so yeah i'm that's that's so, currently <laughs> occupying my my waking hours so t so tell me how are you how i know we don't we probably don't want to run too much into runescape here but tell me tell me how you're doing it what what is the what is the goal of doing the runescape rpg uh it's to, it's to make a fun intuitive accessible game which captures the the runescape spirit which i think is is particularly british and playful while mm. uh retaining the ability to tell grand fantasy stories and it's it so far touchwood i think it's going really well and and spiritually is it the low poly javascript version uh, or java version that we would have uh played as as teenagers uh there are definitely <laughs> lots of elements drawn from there but um it's I, I, we're trying to make sure it's something every if you're runescape 3 old school whatever whatever you're into uh there's a gillenor in there for you <laughs> so i was just imagining the gm so you know, ask the gm what do they look like so just like really low <laughs> reds <laughs> kind, of, kind of pointy <laughs> Anyway, sorry, that's me. I just think so, you know. But, uh, <laughs> so, well, thank, thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. And uh, uh, we look forward to um, receiving, receiving, receiving this book in our hands and dying over and over again, hopefully. Thanks for, thanks for chatting with me. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers.